So with today being a little bit of a special day, a unique day, I wanted to focus on something that I hope will be just a, a good reminder for us. Um, I'm pretty confident that what's going to be covered today won't be anything necessarily new uh, for you, but I know for me personally, these, these simple truths that we're going to look at briefly today are really important for us to be reminded of and to not only know, but then to be able to truly apply to our life. And I think that's often where we really miss out. We, as, as Christians and living in a, in a country where we have freedom of religion and we can go to church and Bible study and, and read our Bible on our own and, and pray on our own without fear of persecution and all the wonderful things that we have in this country there is this challenge within us to know a lot of information and yet not put the information and the truths that we know into practice. And if we're honest with ourselves, all of us would have to say that there are times when, when we've fallen into that trap of knowing a lot, but not applying it to our life, not living it out in our life. And so today I want us to just consider for a moment the key to life. What is the key to life? Now you could say that there is multiple keys to life, and I wouldn't disagree with you. In fact, we're going to look at a couple keys uh, that, that will help us unlock the, the door to what we would look at as what truly is living. In fact, I just want you to do this for a moment. Imagine in your mind, imagine that you are standing before two doors, and you have the free will to choose one door or the other. There's not a lot of information about these doors and what's behind them, but you do know this much. One door ultimately leads to death. The other door leads to life. Is it that hard of a decision as you stand there before these doors without not much not any information other than one leads to death, one leads to life, what is the choice that is going to be made? Fairly easy, right? Fairly obvious. And so I want us to think about just the, the simplicity of what God has said in His Word about there's a way, there's a path that leads to destruction, and it's wide, and there's many that go down it. And then there's a way that is narrow, and few that find it that lead to life. The simplicity of a choice between death and life gets a little complicated when human beings enter the picture. When we that have a sin nature and a will of our own and desires that don't always line up with God and wanting to do our own thing and thinking about all of the realities of what is behind a certain door over the other, the choice gets much more complicated. Yes, I know that door leads to death, but, but death, well, what is it really? And it's such a far distant thing that, that there's so many other things beyond that door that it doesn't immediately lead to death. And in fact, it promises to, to make me happy and, and to enjoy life and all of the things that the world promises and the pleasures and, and the sin which is pleasurable for a moment and 
fame and fortune and all the things that the world promises and yet we know ultimately never delivers. Do you see that the easy decision gets that much more complicated the more we start thinking about what is really behind those doors? Because you look at the door to life and you say, the door to life is, yes, that, that we're going to experience eternal life, that we're going to uh, enjoy an abundant life, and yet going through that door, it's narrow, it's not easy, there are few that find it, and in fact, beyond that door, God has promised that those that, that follow Him will suffer, life won't be easy, you'll be mocked for following Jesus, Sometimes you'll have to forsake your friends and family. Jesus promised those things. It gets complicated. And yet, we need to go back to God's Word and not let it get complicated. We as human beings, in our sin nature and our selfishness, make it complicated when God has clearly said that it's not. And so, with those thoughts rumbling around in our mind, I want you to take your Bibles for a moment and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 30. And I want you to notice verses 19 and 20. My wife Anika was sharing these verses with me this week, and uh, as she was just highlighting them, um, they really uh, just shaped out to be a perfect sermon. And so uh, I want to thank Anika for preparing my sermon. She didn't. That, that is a joke, though, that uh, a lot of people say that the pastor's wives are the ones that actually write the sermons for their husbands to preach, and um, I would have to say that Anika has given me lots of good ideas over the years of, of outlines and sermons and things, um, but I don't allow her to write my sermons. <laughs> I wouldn't know what to say if, if she was the one making them, so disclaimer there. So you see the, the, the verses on the screen. You can follow along there on the screen or in your Bible, and I just want to read these two verses and then we'll pray. Verse 19. So let me, let me say this before I read these verses. The context here is the nation of Israel has, has gone out of Egypt, out of slavery. They've wandered in the desert for 40 years, and now they are getting ready, and the Lord is preparing them. And Moses, who doesn't get to go into the promised land because of his sin is getting them ready to transition and go into the promised land. And so God is reminding them of all the things that they need to focus on and do and the things that they need to not do as they enter the promised land. And so that's sort of the context. And so He's reminding them, He's challenging them, He's laying down uh, the clarity and the truths that they need to remember before they go into this promised land. And so it says this in verse 19, Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying Him, and committing yourself firmly to Him. This is is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land and the, the Lord swore to give your ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your inspired word. We thank you that even though there is much in here that we don't always understand, God, I thank you that the things that 
that you really need us to understand, you've made very simple. And so I pray today that your Holy Spirit would open our our spiritual eyes and hearts to comprehend, to understand, to see. Lord, I pray also that you would have your way of convicting our our own heart and mind of of sin and areas where, where we're not following you, where we're living a life that leads to death and not to life. I pray that you'd help us to understand what that means and the implications of it. I pray that you would just say what you need to say to each of us as individuals today and that your son Jesus would be glorified. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. So I want us to consider this one thought. And, and so on the screen, you'll see just this, this phrase. I think in your notes, in the bulletin, you'll see this at the top of your notes. I want us to connect to this one main idea today. Anyone that chooses to follow after God has found the key to life for themselves and their family. And so it's very simple. And what we see in these verses, it's very simple that if you want to find the key to life, then you need to follow God. Now, some of you are here for various reasons. And, and honestly, if we're, if we're opening ourselves up and, and revealing what we truly think and what we truly believe, God sees our heart and He knows the reasons why we came. And whatever the reasons, God sees it. But I want you, and, I, and I'm pleading with you and myself, that we would take an account and we would remember what God says in His Word. Life an abundant life, and ultimately eternal life is only found in Jesus Christ. It's only found by following Him. He's made this life truly simple, even though it's complicated, even though it's hard, even though there's so many burdens and struggles, He has made it ultimately very simple. Each one of us have a choice. Notice these verses again. There were certain phrases that stood out to me. Notice, today I have given you a choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Pretty simple, right? Who wants to be cursed? Some of you may feel that you have been cursed in your life. (laughs) Did you hear that? (laughs) I don't know if the I know was a part of uh, response to the curse, but (laughs) some of you felt cursed. I know. But we do at times feel cursed. But... We want to be blessed by God. God says what it takes to be blessed by Him. It's following Him. Uh, the, the, the context here is, is God is telling the nation of Israel, His chosen people, what it will take for them to be blessed by Him. And if not, if they follow after other gods, the, the clear consequences of that, that they will be cursed and that God will punish them. And God will set them aside for a time and He will let them go into slavery and and let other enemies defeat them. And we see that all throughout the Old Testament because they didn't follow God. But today, you and I, these verses don't specifically only apply to you and I. We're not of the nation of Israel, unless you are Jewish here today, which some of you may be. But for the most part, we're not. But we can still look at this passage and say, this can apply to my life in the bigger context of of knowing Jesus and having that relationship with Him and that these principles still apply, that just as the Israelites needed to follow God, we too 
need to follow God. And as a result, there will be blessings and not curses. Seems like an obvious choice. There's another phrase that I want you to note here in in these verses. Notice, oh, that you would choose life. The plead that God is is calling each of us to in verse 19. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. One of the reasons I picked this passage today is because of all the parents that came as a result of, of their kids coming to Kids Club. And these types of verses really speak to us as parents. And we're reminded that it is our responsibility not just to provide for the physical well-being of our kids, but to meet their needs both physically, emotionally, but also spiritually. And so much of the time, and I as a parent am guilty of this as well, that, that I've met their needs physically, I, I've sometimes met their needs emotionally, but there are times in my life that I know that I've failed and I haven't met their needs spiritually. As a, as a dad, I haven't led them to, to focus on God. I've been a bad example at times. Thankfully, by God's grace, He's allowed me to, to be a good example at times and to, to tell them about Jesus and to, to set uh, uh, the spiritual pace. And, and this, this passage reminds us that it is our responsibility to cause our kids to choose God so that they choose life. This word, life, that they would choose life. It's an interesting Hebrew word. It means, or, or the Hebrew word is zo or zoe. And, and so God is telling them to choose life, not only life eternal, not only to live beyond the grave, to live with God in heaven, but to have an abundant life, a joy-filled life, a purpose-filled life right here and now. Oh, that you would choose life. You see, the choices we make really shape the direction of our life and our family's life. You see, you can't get away with it. You can't continue to live a selfish life and a self-centered life and a sin-filled life and expect everything to turn out good on the other end. The key to life is choosing, and maybe the decision needs to be made today because as long as you have breath in your lungs, you can, you can change the course of your life that you've been going down and turn and go another direction. As long as you have breath, you can choose to choose life. And I pray that each of us would do that today. We need to choose life over death because we know what death brings. We know the, the result of, of choosing the, the wrong door compared to going through the, the narrow gate that leads to life. Sin and guilt and pain and shame and more sin. And ultimately, it results in death and spiritual separation from God. And so, with all that in mind, I want to briefly go through three simple keys to having an abundant life. And three simple keys that will, that will result in eternal life. And so we'll talk about the eternal aspect in just a moment. But the first key to enjoying a simple life is notice there in verse 20. You can make this choice, very simple, by loving the Lord your God. 
So that's the first simple decision that each of us need to make. We need to love God. So I'm going to ask you a question real quick. Who do you love? Why do you love them? They love, they care about you. Maybe it's your family, maybe it's a mate, maybe it's a mom or dad or a friend. Why do we love certain people? There may be a lot of reasons, but there is that mutual response. There is, I love them and they love me and I feel comfortable, I feel accepted I feel loved by them, and I love them in return. Now, Jesus said that we should love our enemies, and so there's another component to that that demands our sacrificial love apart from what someone else does in reciprocation. But I want you to notice 1 John 4, verses 9 and 10. I think it's on the screen as well. 1 John 4, verses 9 and 10. Notice what it says. This is really how we love God and and how we can focus on that. If God commands us to love Him, and as a result that we would have an abundant life, notice what 1 John 4 says about love. God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. I want you to key in on that because this is really the hinge and the center point of of everything about life. It starts with God's love for you and me. His love that was demonstrated in sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. That's love. Notice verse 10. John says it, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sin. You see, that's the definition of love. How can we love God? Ultimately, by going to a passage like this and understanding and accepting God's love for you and me a love that was sacrificial, a love that didn't withhold His greatest possession, His only Son, to go to a cross and pay the penalty for our sin. Why did He do this? Because He loved us. God loved us that much. And that's the example because God loved us that much. You keep reading on through 1 John 4 and what you're going to see that as a result of God's love and understanding His love found in Jesus, then it is our obligation, it is our responsibility, it is our motivation to love one another, whether it be my wife, whether it be my kids, whether it be my friends, my other family members, or whether it be those that are unlovable, those that are irritating those people that you found this week that just drove you up a wall and you would rather just punch them in the nose than give them a hug. We can't love without understanding ultimately what God has done for us and that love demonstrated for us. Jesus said this. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. He was quoting Deuteronomy 6 and verse 5. Jesus commanded us to love God. Why? Because God loves us. 
So let me just ask you this question and we'll move on. Does my love for God, is my love reflected in my life? Is my love for God reflected in my life? If this is a command to Deuteronomy, not only to the nation of Israel, but to all those that would follow after God, that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, does my life reflect that I love God? To me, when I ask that question, it's very convicting because I know my own heart, I know my own thoughts, I know my own sin, and there are many times when my life does not reflect that I love God. It makes me sad. But it also reminds me of God's great love for me that in my sinfulness, He saw my sin and He loved me enough to let His Son, take my sin to pay it at the cross of Calvary. And that drives me to want to love God more. There's a second key to life, and very simply, go back to Deuteronomy in verse uh, 20 of chapter 30, and, and notice what it says, love your God and then obey Him. And so we need to listen to God. The, the NIV says, listen to Him, obeying Him, in, in my translation here, but but the, the phrase is to obey Him, to listen to Him. And so, obedience and listening go hand in hand. Are you listening to God? How many of you as kids um, listen to your parents, but then it stopped right there? Right? As parents, how many of your kids do that today? You see, we need to listen to God, not just love God, but listen to Him. See, a lot of times our ears are shut to what God is trying to tell us. We want to, we want to appear to be obedient, and so we'll stand there and act like we're listening, and then as soon as our parents are done talking, we go the other way and we do our own thing, and we hope they forget. But God says that we need to obey, we need to listen. And so the, the, the phrase here, the picture here that God is calling us to is true obedience. Not just listening to Him uh, to, to give Him some kind of simple uh, act of, of respect, but to follow through in obedience. So why do we disobey? Why do we not follow through in obedience? Why do we not listen to God and follow through? For fear. We don't obey God because we fear. What do we fear? You say, I'm not afraid of anything. Yes, you are. You know what you're afraid of? You're afraid that if you obey God, you're not going to be happy. And often that's what the decision, that's what it comes right down to. I don't want to listen to God. I don't want to obey Him. I don't want to do what He's asking me to do because I know if I do what God's asking me to do, I am not going to be happy. I'm going to be miserable. I'm going to be poor. I'm going to have to go to some foreign country and tell others about Jesus. And I'm not going to see my family anymore. And, you know, all these, these things that we think all Christians have to do. God may call you to that, but that you'll be happy. That'll be the place that, that you find most joy if that's what God asks you to do. But we don't obey because we fear that we won't be happy. But that's a lie from the enemy because tr the truth is obeying God is the only way that we can be happy. 
And so I want you to go away today with that in mind. You guys and, and I struggle with what happiness is and enjoying life and wanting to be happy. And the lie from the enemy says, you must do your own thing. You must find your own entertainment. You must find joy in this temporary life and the pleasures that it offers because life is short. So live it up. Instead of listening to God and saying, I have a plan for your life and you're going to enjoy life and you're going to find out what life is really about if you would just listen to me. I don't know how many times when I was, uh, when our kids were in the home, Dylan's about ready to graduate, our last one, and, uh, and I, don't remember, I remember how many times in the home that this phrase came out of my, my mouth thousands and thousands of times. Listen to me! <laughs> to my kids. You know, I'd say it, I'd tell them whatever I wanted to tell them in a normal tone, and... They didn't listen. And so I would come over and I'd say it again in a little louder tone. And are you listening? No. And I would say it again. And and then I would say, look at me. So that I would know they're listening. Sometimes they got it. Sometimes they didn't. But that's how we are with God. You know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful for the fact that God, He never gives up. He never says, you know what? I'm sick of this child of mine. He doesn't listen. He doesn't look at me. He acts like I don't exist. God never gives up. He goes back and he comes back and he keeps knocking on the door of my heart and he says, are you going to listen? Are you going to follow me? Are you going to do what I say? I have a great life planned for you, but you, you want to do things your own way and so I'll let you do things your own way and see how you like it. And then I realize I don't like it. And God says, see, I told you, I already told you an abundant life is there for you, but it's found as you obey, as you follow me. Jesus said this in Luke eleven twenty eight. 28, Blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. And God, may that be our prayer today. That we would hear the word of God, that we would dig into God's word, and that we would take what God says in his word and we would live it. That we wouldn't just absorb it on Sunday and act like a jerk all week long. That we would obey that we would put it into practice, that God's word would change us from the inside. So the question is, who are you listening to, the world or God? The world, your sinfulness, or the word of God that changes life? The word of God that brings life and not death. There's a third choice, and it goes along with the other two of loving God and listening to God, and that is to lean into God. Notice back in verse 20, the third thing that that the challenge for the Israelites The choice is yours to love the Lord your God, obey Him, and commit yourself firmly to Him. Commit yourself firmly to Him. The NIV says, hold fast to Him, for the Lord is your life. And so we, this picture of leaning into God, of coming near to Him, of holding on for dear life, of saying, God, wherever you go, I'm going to go. I'm leaning hard into you. I'm not going astray. I'm not going down my own path, but I'm leaning on you. I'm resting in you. 
Everybody, just for a moment, we're almost done here. Just for a moment, I want you to just uh, transport your, your, your thoughts and, your, and just a picture in your mind of going back to when you were a little kid. Now, I know that everybody's home life and family life wasn't the greatest, but for the most part, most of us have fond memories of our parents. And I want you to just go back into your mind of, of a time in your life when you could just climb up on your mom or dad's lap and just hug them and find comfort in your mom or dad. That is the picture of committing yourself firmly to him, of holding fast to the Lord. You are climbing up in the Lord's lap and you're saying, God, I trust you. I need you, I I am dependent, and you are my protector. I can't do it, but you can. God calls all of us, whether we are 8 years old or 80 years old, He calls us to climb up into His lap and say, God, you are enough. This world will never provide what I need. You alone are what I need. And so I call upon you today. I lean into you, and I'm going to stop leaning into this, this garbage and this false, these lies that the enemy tells me is worthwhile, and I'm going to climb into my dad's lap like a little boy and find comfort and strength and protection, trusting my, my Father in heaven. Are we leaning into God? You see, God says that, that this is how we choose between life and death. By leaning into Him. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Many of you know this verse, but I want you to notice this and be reminded of it and put it into practice. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understandings. And so that picture of leaning not in our own understandings, but leaning into God. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths or make your paths straight. Trusting, leaning, depending, committing your way. Are you willing to allow the Lord to direct the paths of your life? We have a choice today. The key to life, to choose life over death, The choice is ours. And again, as I said, um, maybe you haven't been making the best choices over the past couple weeks or the past couple years. It's never too late to start. God is always there. He is always knocking at the door. He has already paid for your sin in His Son's shed blood on Calvary's cross. No matter what you've done, no matter sins you've committed, no matter how far you've strayed, no matter the choices you've made, we can choose to love Him, to listen to Him, to lean into Him. Because those are the things that bring life. Keeping our eyes on Him and off of the world. So the decision is yours. The decision is mine. As we close today... You may wonder and you may ask this question, well, how do I love God? How do I listen to God? How do I lean into God? Some of you already know the answer to that. Some of you have a relationship with Christ. And so you know what it looks like to love God. Maybe you don't do it well. 
You know what it means to listen to God. Maybe you don't do it as best as you should. You know what it means to lean into God and to depend on Him. But what if you're asking that question, how do I find the key to life? How do I love God and listen and lean into Him? It's very simple. And we've already talked about it, but God in His love sent His only Son to pay the penalty for your sin, for my sin, for the sin of the world. You need to understand something today, and I think this is, it goes beyond all cultures. It goes to all races of people. There is something within each of us as human beings that says in our heart, without God, that we are not that bad. That we are okay, and that we're always better than our neighbor down the road. And our neighbor, uh, they, they have a sin problem. There's no doubt about that, right? But as far as me, I just don't know. I'm pretty good, and I, and I know I'm better than so-and-so. And, and see, this is a problem that we as human beings have. We don't see that we are in need of a Savior. And let me just say today, there are some of you here today, and I just, I don't know, God knows. But in a room this this size, there are people that believe that they are good enough, that God is going to accept them and love them and bring them to heaven because that they haven't been that bad and they've been pretty good and, they, and they've given money to the church and they've donated time and they've volunteered here and they've helped there and they're very kind to people and they don't get mad when someone cuts them off as I do. You see what I'm saying? Understand that you will never get what it means to love God and listen to God and lean into God until you get this one foundational fact that you and I are sinners in need of a Savior. Parents, you need to tell your kids in a loving, affirming way that they're sinners. That that sin separates them from a holy God. But parents, you need to get it first. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Not some, not the really bad. All, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Romans 6 goes on and it says what the result of that sin is. For the wages of sin is death. But God didn't stop there. We earned spiritual death and separation from God because we are sinners. But God in His love didn't stop there because the rest of that verse says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In God's love, He allowed His only Son to take our sin debt upon Himself, to pay the penalty. The wage of our sin is death, and God poured out all of His wrath on His only Son at the cross so that we wouldn't have to suffer and die. And make no mistake, that doesn't save everybody. Some people believe that there is a universal salvation, that all human beings are going to be cleansed by the blood of Christ because Jesus died on Calvary's cross. That is not what Scripture teaches. Jesus died for the sins of the world, yes. But it is all those that call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you don't call on the name of the Lord, if you're not believing on Him for your cleansing for forgiveness of sin. You're not saved. So you don't understand what it means to love God and listen to God and lean into God because you don't have a relationship with God because that only comes through faith in Jesus. 
And so God gave us the answer. He gave us a solution. In John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So what's the requirement? Belief. It isn't doing good. It isn't loving God more and more. You'll do that, but that doesn't get you saved. It's by believing that Jesus' payment on the cross was enough. We can't pay for our own sin except going to eternity in hell. Jesus paid for it at the cross. Do you believe? If you believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin, that he was buried in that grave three days, and that he rose again, conquering sin and death. If you believe, if you trust Jesus for that sacrifice for your sin, you are saved. You have a relationship with Jesus. Now, because of that, now start embracing that relationship, loving God, listening to God, and leaning into him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And God, I pray that you would help these these truths from your word not to fall on deaf ears. Help us not to be like the hard hearts that you have described at times where the word of God is, is cast out and it just falls on hard hearts that produce nothing. And I pray that our hearts would be good soil where the word of God goes down deep and produces a great uh, result, a great harvest. Lord, only you can do this by your spirit. We just pray that our hearts would be willing to receive what you have said. And I pray for any person here that has not put their faith in your son, Jesus. They have not believed on Jesus for the forgiveness of their sin. God, I pray your spirit would convict them of their sin, of their lostness, of their, of their eternal damnation, and that they would see your love and that they would receive your son's forgiveness at the cross by believing by trusting in you and what you did for them. God, would you help us as individuals, as parents, to, to demonstrate what it means to love you, to follow you, that we would be a good example to our kids and to this next generation. So we thank you for this day. We pray your blessing on the rest of it and all that it has in store. In Jesus' name, amen.